Hello, listeners. Welcome to A Writer's World. Sean Griffin is on vacation. I'm David Winkler, a teacher and writer who hopes to bring you some part of that world here on KWNK. It's a big subject, and we'll see where it leads. Today's program is called Cultural Assumptions with a Glimpse into the Dangers of Symbolism. No one needs a reminder that our nation is living under a banner of fear. That fear is often visible in the faces of people we see in public and sometimes in our homes. Sean Griffin asks in his memoir, Anthem for a Burnished Land, do you stop living because the air is filled with fear? Or as F. Scott Fitzgerald put it, we should be able to see that things are hopeless and yet be determined to make them otherwise. There are people who feel the threat of huge feet, a raw face, the casual cold look of a mugger. That threat is handed down through centuries of conditioning that result in making cultural assumptions about those who are different from us. Consider this excerpt from On the Subway, a poem by Sharon Olds. The young man and I face each other. His feet are huge in black sneakers laced with white in a complex pattern like a set of intentional scars. We are stuck on opposite sides of a car, a couple of molecules stuck in a rod of light rapidly moving through darkness. He has, or my white eye imagines he has, the casual cold look of a mugger. The setting of the poem is clear. A white woman sits opposite a young black man on a subway. He hasn't done anything, he's just sitting there, yet she feels threatened by his mere presence, perhaps even by his existence. Her assumption is that, given the opportunity, he could take her for a coat, her briefcase, even her life. It's in his power to do these things. But something unexpected happens. There's a kind of reversal, a sea change, in both the woman and in the poem. A vein of self-consciousness opens and she takes a glance inward rather than outward. It crosses her mind that what if she's the predator? What if she's the one who in fact is benefiting from his life, his dark skin, his second-class citizenry? It's an extraordinary moment. She comes to understand, and this is a quote from the poem, there is no way to know how easy this white skin makes my life, end of quote. She acknowledges to herself that his back, and by extension the back of his race, is being broken by white privilege. This poem urges me to view myself through a finer lens. I think of the times I failed to intervene when someone barked a racial slur or told a joke with racist overtones, and I wonder how often my behavior and attitude reflected the assumption that white people are the norm. If we are ever going to derail racism as part of our national identity, it seems we must begin, to paraphrase Michael Jackson, with the person in the mirror. Paranoia, hatred, and meanness of spirit form the breeding ground of fear, and the breeding ground for all of these is ignorance. I hope you will take the time to read On the Subway by one of our finest contemporary poets, Sharon Olds. I'd like to segue into a different but related area, symbolism and its effect on daily life. We know how symbols can play positive and reinforcing roles, or they can be baneful and demeaning. 
The story I'm about to tell is from personal experience. It dates back to my army days. Now, I, I had a bunkmate named Smitty, specialist fourth-class Jamal Smith, Smitty. We were stationed in a military police barracks in Mannheim, Germany. Smitty was a good-natured guy, a guy you might not recognize if he wasn't wearing a smile from ear to ear. But poor Smitty, he'd been a few weeks away from his 26th birthday and on track to passing the Michigan bar exam when he got his draft notice. Far from being dispirited, he took it in stride and, as he put it, bounced into whatever glory God had prepared. Not many things got him down, certainly not anything so trifling as a draft notice. But one day all of that changed. Directly across the hall from us were a couple of guys from somewhere in the Deep South, I forget what state. One day they made the grave error of tacking a huge Confederate flag to the outside of their door. Well, when Smitty caught sight of it, his whole demeanor switched from sunny side up to burnt toast. He came into our room fuming, paced around with an agitation I'd never seen before. I asked him, well, what do you intend to do? Now, what I should have asked was what did we intend to do? I was white, Smitty was black, and it was our problem, not his alone. Sorry to say it didn't occur to me. He said, I'll go have a talk with them. Talk with them he did, civilly and straightforwardly, but with dismal results. They told him it was their door, and they'd decorate it any way they pleased. The army allowed for this within reason. Smitty naturally found their response unacceptable. His next step was to take the matter to our company commander, Captain Sklar. He explained the situation in the hope that Sklar would order our neighbors to remove the offending flag. I accompanied him. Smitty said, Sir, it's a symbol of slavery and centuries of hatred against my entire race. I don't want to have to look at it every time I step outside the door. Sklar patronizingly told him, you're right. It's a symbol. That's all it is. Symbols are everywhere. If we let ourselves get upset over them, we'll be upset all the time. To Smitty's ears, the subtext was, Now run along, son. Be a good boy and forget this nonsense. He was not about to let it ride. He had a choice to make. A minor race riot might have ensued depending on his course of action, but Smitty being Smitty, he used his head. When he revealed his solution, I felt sure we'd both get slapped into the stockade. We had a full barracks inspection coming up the following week. In the meantime, Smitty managed to acquire a Nazi flag in downtown Mannheim. He tacked it onto the outside of our door. So here were these two flags, one rebel, one swastika facing each other, and the four of us standing absurdly at attention by our respective doors. Along comes Captain Sklar, accompanied by his dutiful top sergeant, taking notes, marking down demerits, etc. Did I mention that Captain Sklar was Jewish? When he saw that flag on our door, I thought he'd have an aneurysm. It's just as well I can't remember his words, but Smitty, cool as the proverbial cucumber, daringly told him, In all due respect, sir, it's a symbol. That's all it is. And symbols are everywhere. If we let ourselves get upset over them, we'll be upset all the time, sir. It should come as no surprise that both flags came down. 
There's not much I can add to this little parable. Life's lessons seem to arrive at unexpected doors at unexpected moments, and sometimes on the subway. We must stand alert for them. My big regret is I lost touch with Jamal Smith after the Army. I hope and trust that he bounced into whatever glory God had prepared. This concludes our program on cultural assumptions with a glimpse into the dangers of symbolism. Please join us in the Collective Ethersphere Sundays at 3 p.m. for our next meditation on words, or stream it at kwnkradio.org, and please support your local bookstore. In Reno, that's Sundance Books and Music, and in Las Vegas, the Writer's Block. They're open, and we need them. Thank you, be safe, and spread a little kindness wherever you are.